Adam from MSBC here, and thank you for tuning into our show. The last iteration of MSBC Replay took you back through all that MSBC 2020 had to offer, but for round two, we're going to go back just a little bit further. This upcoming conference is the 10th anniversary of our founding, and because of that, we want to recap and reminisce on some of the most amazing speakers from the past nine years. So, each week, we'll bring you an in-depth interview from a speaker at each conference, starting at MSBC One and working all the way up to today learning about how the industry has grown and how they have personally evolved since you last heard from them. With that, I'll kick it over to Aaron, and I hope that you enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the MSBC Podcast. My name is Aaron Latham, and today I'm joined by Abe Madcor, publisher and executive editor for the SBJ. Thank you so much for hopping on today. Great to be with you, Aaron. Always a pleasure. Of course. All right, so just diving right in, um, due to the nature of your work, you quite literally have a better sense of the ebbs and flows and general progression of the sport industry than possibly anybody else in the world. Um, in what ways have you seen the industry grow and change the most since you last spoke at MSBC? Well, I think since the last time I spoke uh, at your great conference, which I've been always honored to be part of and invited to uh, going back a number of years now, I think the industry has changed quite a bit. I don't think at that time we were fully seeing the really the influx of legalized sports betting, Aaron. I think that we weren't even talking about things like cryptocurrency, blockchain, uh, non-fungible tokens. Those weren't part of our dictionary or our vernacular a couple of years ago. We certainly weren't talking about global pandemics and that impact on the sports business of what it could mean in terms of the state of the industry and the massive implications it would have. So I think those are pretty big. So when you think about it, a lot has gone on since I, uh, since we all got together that October of 2019, I guess. Yeah. Things really have kind of like gone on their head and, you know, on that same note, um, something that the SBJ really does in terms of advice for students is release the 40 under 40 list every year, highlighting some of the top names in sports. And on that same note of innovation, are there any new things that you're seeing being highlighted in a lot of people who are on this list in recent years? Like, are there any new sort of traits or skills that are really emerging as like allowing people to excel in the industry today? Yeah, I mean, I think we're seeing a lot more people, Aaron, who are uh, into areas of, I would say, diversity, inclusion, and equity. Um, those were probably skill sets or positions that weren't part of 40 under 40 or new voices under 30 in prior years. I think we're seeing some people certainly in sports betting now that we weren't honoring or recognizing years ago because the industry wasn't as mature or as advanced as it is now. I think we're seeing people, like I talked about, new technologies and new technology applications and innovations that weren't even developed uh, you know, when we first started some of our recognition programs. And we're also seeing a lot more over-indexing on, on data, on analytics, on, I would say, those types of skill sets, business intelligence that we really did not see for many years. Um, I think we're seeing a little bit more of chief people officers, so more of an emphasis on uh, people and taking care of people and advancement of staff and also making our uh, environments and our organizations, I would say, as productive, but also as inclusive as possible. So those are some areas that we are really seeing now that we probably hadn't seen as prevalent in prior years. 
kind of picking off, piggybacking off of that a little bit, uh, are there any characteristics that you think have really stood the test of time? So these new people who are on the list are really demonstrating these characteristics that you've seen for years and years and years. And it's kind of like something that emulates success no matter what. Well, if I, if I understand your question there, Aaron, I mean, I, I would say that sales still stands the test of time, right? So if you're a really good seller, if you're really good at sales and marketing uh, and revenue, if you're good in those roles, uh, you, you, you were recognized as early as 2000 or 2001 when we first started some of these award programs to 2021 when we're still doing them two decades later. So if you can be really successful in generating revenue within your organization, you're going to be incredibly marketable. You're going to be incredibly successful. Awesome. That's awesome to hear. You know, on a personal level, a lot of us college students uh, have this sort of age old question uh, while looking to break into the sport business industry. And it's, you know, should you start in sports or hone a craft outside of the field and later return to the sport industry? And you're someone who's had experience in a completely unrelated field working on a political team um, for Senator Patrick Leahy. Uh, how do you feel that that helped shape who you are now as an executive in the sport industry? Well, I think that it's a great, it is the age old question, right? And so you're going to face that, Aaron. I think everybody, some of your classmates will, you know, there, there's no one right path, okay? There's a lot of ways that someone can get involved in the sports industry. For me, it just benefited myself from, you know, I knew that I wanted to be in either politics or sports. I think that that was so two areas that I really focused on. After three to four years of being in politics, I really was looking more forward to trying to start a career in sports. And luckily, I was able to use politics as a bridge to get into the sports business because of the work I had done and the connections I had made. Um, so I still think, and I say this a lot, that you know the connections you make in your network, Aaron, is going to be incredibly important wherever you are, because sports is still a little bit about a uh, a who you know business and can you get to that access point to get your sh to get a chance to get your opportunity and that certainly helps but many people now will generate experience learn skill sets outside of sports and then the sports industry is really actively looking for i would say those new voices those new thinkers uh, those new approaches that aren't endemic to the sports business and that can be applied from other industries. So I've seen a lot of very successful people come from hospitality, come from management, come from consulting, come from financial services, financial consulting um, into the sports industry and very successfully. But then I've seen people who, you know, have been to sports management programs, have been to very successful sports business programs, and then got that first job in sports by either a placement service through their institution, and they have never left. And they've been incredibly successful, incredibly uh, valuable contributors to the industry of the sports business because of their experience and their passion and their knowledge. So I can see it both ways. I think that there's no right answer on either one of those. I, I absolutely love just hearing people's uh, thoughts on that question. You know, something I've been very fortunate enough over the course of recording this podcast is to really hear a lot of people's different stories. And what you said is true. Uh, there really is no wrong way because I've talked to so many people who have gone in either direction and have ended up in very successful places. So it's always great just kind of picking people's brains on that one. Yeah, I mean, it depends on, I don't know, 
your background per se or what your yeah. next <laughs> level of interest is and where you want to be in sports. But, you know, there's a lot of ways that you can get the experience you need to make yourself a very marketable uh, applicant to get into the sports business. Absolutely. Um, just one last little tidbit of wisdom for students uh, before we shift our content a little bit. I know that SBJ and you are based out of Charlotte, which while obviously known for the banking scene, isn't necessarily a name that's often associated directly with the sport business world. How would you recommend the scene of Charlotte for students graduating and looking to break into sports and kind of one step further on that, uh, are there any other quote unquote, like less traditional cities, if you will, that you see kind of coming on the rise? Uh, Charlotte's a great sports business, uh, I would say, environment. There's a lot of sports business entities here. You know, you mentioned Sports Business Journal. ESPN has a big presence here in Charlotte. Uh, a number of agencies are in Charlotte. An agency called Elevate Sports Ventures just made Charlotte their headquarters. GMR is here in Charlotte. Bespoke Sports Marketing is here in Charlotte. Uh, Genesco Sports Enterprises, another agency, has offices here in Charlotte. The Charlotte Sports Foundation has been very active in bringing sports events to the marketplace. And then, of course, Aaron, you have the teams. And I would say that two teams that are really specifically people are paying attention to are the Panthers under Tepper Sports and Entertainment and the Hornets under Hornets Sports and Entertainment. Between Michael Jordan and David Tepper, we have very progressive-minded ownership here in Charlotte, and they're doing some really ambitious projects. And then, of course, NASCAR is incredibly important to this marketplace. Not just NASCAR, but you, of course, have Speedway Motorsports and so many of the NASCAR teams and organizations based here in Charlotte. So I think Charlotte is a very, very, very uh, good market to be in. Other up-and-coming cities, and I can't say this for necessarily the sports business marketplace, but like a lot of cities I'm getting asked about a lot, obviously Nashville, okay? Obviously Tampa, um, certainly areas, Atlanta, very strong in the sports business space. So again, maybe I'm being a little bit Southeast focused there, but these are very, very hot markets. Austin, a very hot market, not just with Austin FC, but with some sports marketing, some sports business companies, sports technology and incubators starting in Austin. Also, Utah is a very hot state right now because of technology and technology incubators in Utah. And then, of course, the Bay Area still has so much more and Silicon Valley still has so much going for it. And Los Angeles may seem like a natural because everybody thinks the sports business is mm -hmm. in New York. But Los Angeles still has a very, very thriving, growing sports business marketplace and just think of all the events Aaron in LA coming up between right. the Super Bowl between the Olympics between the US world uh, the, the World Cup in 26 I think they're going to get major events at SoFi Stadium so LA is a market that everybody should be actively keeping an eye on Definitely, definitely. It's funny. I, I like what you mentioned about uh, Charlotte, specifically with the teams coming up. Uh, the Hornets, specifically. I'm a big NBA fan. Like that's my like favorite sport. And the Hornets really are doing a lot of things to appeal to people beyond just like the standard NBA team. They're a lot of fun to watch. They create like a really uh, a full environment for people to really enjoy. Like even if you're not the biggest basketball NBA fan, I feel like you can really enjoy that franchise. Yeah, sounds like you're a follower, so good for oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're doing a lot of pretty – they just got to get a little better on the court, but they're working their way there. And when this team gets good, this market loves basketball. Oh, yeah. they got. They, I think they got the young talent. I think in a couple of years, uh, they're, they're going to have some shots at the time for sure.
All right. Uh, well, uh, shift, I think you're right. Shifting gears uh, just a little bit. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of interviewception, if you will. So uh, on top of all the work that you do for SBJ, uh, you are one of, if not the most called upon hosts and moderators for panels and conferences uh, for anything related to sport business, really. Uh, from hosting the World Congress of Sport, the 40 Under 40 Dinner, SBJ podcast, and of course, our very own conference countless times. What is your secret sauce to you know properly moderate and guide a conversation? Well, there's nothing, uh, you know, nothing can be said more than about preparation. And it takes a long time to prepare for, for an interview. And obviously, you've done yours, and that's impressive. So as you know, you really have to learn as much about your interview to, uh, subjects as possible. So whether I'm doing an interview, I remember one I did with Dan Gilbert and Stephen Ross at, uh, at your event in Ann Arbor, um, whether it's doing something with you know, Steve Greenberg and Arn Tellum, which I did as well. You just, you, you try to read up on, on them as much as possible. So, you know, their story, you know, their background, you know, their interest, you know, what they're invested in, you know, their kind of thought process, you know, what kind of makes them passionate, you know, what makes them a little bit more um, challenged. And so those types of things, preparation is key for me. The second thing is for me, you know, I try to have a conversation. I don't make it an interview. I try to have a, a, a free-flowing kind of fireside chat has always been a style that I've employed. And people generally get comfortable in that type of an environment. And I don't over-ask questions. I really try to make my questions very succinct to the point and let them answer the questions and then have follow-ups based on that. And then I always do try to have a little bit of a fun at the end in terms of really getting some perspective on where their points of view are at. So try to mix it up. But also nothing can be, you know, nothing can be overlooked for preparation. It's all about preparation for me. Awesome. Speaking to that, do you have any uh, advice or recommendations on how to conduct that kind of research on a guest before an interview? No, I mean, it's all out there, Aaron. I mean, I just read a ton. So I'll yeah. spend uh, some time just, you know, luckily for me, I can get it mainly through our products. Yeah. So <laughs> if I do, not to be self-serving, but if you use the archives of SPJ, you can get articles and clips and history on anybody you're doing an interview with. So I'll spend a lot of time just printing all those out or cutting and pasting, you know, appropriate passages or chapters or points of, uh, I would say, inflection or key points in their careers and have them have that within my narrative. And then I can take questions from that. But to me, it's always about asking relevant, interesting questions about the time of, you know, the real time industry challenges we're facing now, but also weave that into their career story and their personal and professional journey. So, but to me, it's all about just preparing through reading or listening to podcasts that they may have done, watching previous interviews they may have done, but it's all about reading or consuming interviews and content that they're, that they're a part of. Definitely, definitely. Abe, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Uh, but before we go, uh, I do have one more question. So a lot of our audience is college age students like myself. Uh, do you have any advice for a, a college age kid on how they can jumpstart their career? Anything you did in college, wish you explored more? Really just any advice to anybody looking to get a foot in the door? Well, use your network, use your contacts, use your relationships as much as you can. Aaron, you probably have them throughout Ann Arbor or throughout your program. Use your alumni. Your alumni is so amazingly powerful that that's something you should establish relationships with certain alumni that you feel close to or that you feel connected to or that you have similar interests. 
find organizations or people that you're interested in and want to work for. It could be the, you know, could be NYCFC. It could be uh, the Los Angeles Rams. It could be Whoop Technology. But find that. Try to get to know those companies. Try to make relationships within those companies. Try to figure out how you can get in front of them. You know, I've got people every day, every week asking me, hey, I would love to meet uh, Aaron, La- uh, Aaron Latham. How do, I get, how do I get to know him? I think you know him. Right? Could you make an introduction? Would you make an introduction? Try to be a connector and then bring people together. That's one. You've got to work hard. You've got to work hard. You've got to be honest with people. You've got to be transparent. You can't be, you, you can't at all have any integrity or ethical challenges or issues. You have to be honest, you know, be to your word, have a great work ethic, have a passion for sports. I know some people say that, you know, if you ask five people about what's a key ingredient to be successful in sports business, some may say, I don't care if they're sports fans. I do. I, I think it really helps if someone loves sports because they want to be in it all the time because these jobs aren't easy. You're going to work really hard. And in the beginning, Aaron, you're not going to make a lot of money. And so the reward doesn't seem to be instantly there. But if you continue to work hard, you continue to show value, you continue to try to challenge yourself and be a constant learner, be a team player, but also then take steps in leadership, you're going to grow, you're going to advance, and you're going to take on more and more responsibility. And then the titles, the positions, and the, and the salary will, will follow. But to me, you do have to have a love of sport and want to be around sport to really get into it. And then you just have to be patient because... You know, I know stories of people who've sent 122 cover letters. Maybe they got one response, but that one response was all they needed to get into the door. I won't lie. It's not going to be easy. It's about timing. It could be about, you know, it could be about who you know at the right time. It could be about what, what companies you apply to at the certain time. But timing is a big part of it. Just be patient and the reward will come. Awesome. That really was a fantastic answer and a great note to end on. Thank you again one more time, Abe. We all really appreciate you coming on. I'm Aaron from MSBC, and on behalf of everybody, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you guys next week. Sounds good. Great being with you, Aaron. good. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope that you enjoyed. If you want to buy tickets or learn anything else about the conference, please visit www.umsbc.com. That is www.umsbc.com. Or you can follow at UMSBC on any social. We hope to see you there on November 5th. And as always, go blue.